This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're visiting with John Mitchell, a collector of cars, Studebakers to be exact. He's been in the Valley since 1997. John, welcome to the program. Thank you, Gary. Now, John, uh, people collect all sorts of things. You know, if you collected coins, teacups, postage stamps, you wouldn't have to have this giant building to house your collection. Why cars and why Studebakers? Well, how it all got started was I, my first wife's father was a huge Studebaker fan. Studebakers and Mercedes is all he drove. And when I met my wife, sophomore year in college, she was actually had a Studebaker. I didn't think much of him, but I married her and got together with her father, and he was telling me all the worth of them, not, not financial, but just their value as far as reliability. And so when I graduated from college in Austin, I found a Studebaker Golden Gran Turismo Hawk on a used car lot, and I bought it, and it all started with that. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. So how many cars in your collection currently? Currently, I have 11. I used to be uh, at 13, but I've sold a couple. Okay. Give me a few examples of Studebakers that you own. I own, a uh, interestingly, an 1895 doctor's buggy, horse-drawn buggy, and then I own a 63 Studebaker convertible, which there aren't many of those, and then I own, uh, I believe, uh, four Avantis. Let's remind folks that Studebaker started in 1852, making carriages, buggies, and that sort of thing. That's correct. They actually ended up being the world's largest manufacturer of horse-drawn wagons, and they really made a name for themselves during the Civil War, producing wagons for the uh, Union, luckily. <laughs> are you on the hunt for any cars, or uh, do you have all you need? Where do you, where do you stand? I actually have all I need, but I'm always looking around for something unique. Uh-huh. And what's the holy grail for you of Studebakers? Is there some model that if it showed up, you'd have to have it? If I could afford it, I would like a uh, 1956 Golden Hawk. And what is it that makes that unique? Studebaker merged with Packard in 1954, and in 56, they started producing Hawks. So the Studebaker Golden Hawk is the top of the line. It doesn't have the Studebaker engine in it. It has a 352 Packard engine in it. And leather interior, it's just a beautiful car. For you to add a car to your collection, does it need to be in a certain mechanical or body shape? Yes. Uh, the main thing I'm looking for is rust-free bodies. Coming from Texas, I didn't have to deal with a lot of rust on most of the cars I bought. And so uh, I just can't fathom having to take all the fenders and quarter panels and everything off and, and finding new old stock ones to replace them. Give us a quick history of Studebaker. We mentioned that it's started before the Civil War, and then in the early 1900s, they started to build automobiles. Uh, how did the whole thing progress? Well, again, uh, they made a lot of money off the Civil War and started producing Conestoga wagons, which were used on the uh, gold rushes to California and the Oregon Trail. And then in 1902, they started with electric cars. In 1904, they went to gasoline engine cars. And then uh, by 1920, they saw the writing on the wall and eliminated all the horse-drawn wagons and just went head over heels into automotive manufacturing. 
Uh, what is Studebaker's reputation as a car maker as, as compared to Ford or General Motors? I think it's reliability. They, were, uh, they weren't the top of the line, and uh, they tried to build some uh, inexpensive vehicles also to get to the uh, lower uh, person, working class type individual. But the reliability of all of those cars was what attracted people to them. In fact, they had a series called the Sheriff's Car. And in uh, the 1920s, like 26, 27, 28, a lot of the sheriffs in Arizona only drove Studebakers because they were fast and reliable on rutted roads. Mm. A Studebaker was based in South Bend, Indiana. What was the history there? The Studebaker brothers were from Ohio, and when they started making wagons, they started making them in South Bend, and so they actually had a plant in Detroit also that uh, they used up until the 1920s when they eliminated the uh, wagons, and they just moved all of the automotive manufacturing to South Bend. All good things come to a close. Uh, Studebaker went out of business in the 60s, as I recall. I think uh, South Bend closed uh, 63, 64? 19, December 1964. Merry Christmas. And then <laughs> and then uh, Hamilton, Ontario, There was they were making them up there, and a few years later that closed. Right. Hamilton, Ontario, the ca- Canadian plant closed in 1966. And again, the problem with trying to keep that going up in Canada is they didn't have their foundry to manufacture their own uh, engines and that. So they were having to buy engines from from GM. And so the people that liked Studebaker for reliability probably didn't think it was as reliable with a General Motors engine in it. Okay. And you mentioned Packard earlier. Studebaker merged with Packard. Packard toward the end. Was that to try to save it financially? That's an interesting story. Packard actually pursued the merger with Studebaker because Studebaker had more uh, distributors, dealers, and so Packard could get their cars out to more locales. However, as they say, the Studebaker books were cooked a little and and Packard didn't get what they anticipated as far as cash flow from Studebaker. In fact, Studebaker showed that uh, they'd have to produce 282,000 cars a year to break even, and they were only selling like 82,000 cars. Wow. Another piece of history toward the end was the development of the Avanti, the sports car. You've got four of those in your collection, I think you said. Yes, I do now. Now, there were less than 5,000 ever manufactured. Isn't that right? Yes. By St- Studebaker produced about 4,600 of them, about 3,800 in uh, 1963, 63 models starting in 62, and about 800 more in 64 before they quit. Was, was the Avanti set up to try to save the company? Because it was right toward the end that they started making them. It was. It was going to be the cat's meow and bring bring people into the dealerships to see this unique it was fiberglass see this unique car only the corvette was the only other car that was fiberglass at the time and so they thought it would drive a lot of foot traffic in and even if they didn't buy a avante they would buy one of the other studebakers Mm. when i was young my orthodontist had an avante and it's the only one i ever saw in cleveland ohio uh, that i recall so i became intrigued with that the design of the car really has an interesting story. You were telling me. Uh, uh, fill us in on that. Studebaker in uh, nineteen early 1950s hired a world-renowned uh, 
art designer, Raymond Lowy, industrial designer, who developed uh, the Coca-Cola bottle and uh, shell oil, shell and other things. But he took a team in 1962 to Palm Springs, three other designers, and in 40 days had a mocked-up clay model of the Avanti to take to the board of directors of Studebaker and to get approval to start producing them. That's amazingly short time for something like that. Uh, describe the Avanti in terms of its components, its look, uh, for folks that are unfamiliar. It is a uh, two-door, only two doors were made by Studebaker, and it's a four-seater sports car is what they call it. It's a low, sleek design, has a little rake on the front end, meaning that the front end's lower than the back end. So, it, And uh, Avanti is an Italian word that means forward. They started, went, the first ones they produced, they uh, took to Bonneville Salt Flats. They set 29 speed records. Hmm. The fastest time they made, or well, fastest miles per hour, was 178 miles per hour in a standard production car. And that was unheard of in that day and time. They came with factory disc brakes. They came with a built-in roll bar. So they were very safe to drive. The Avanti outlived... Studebaker. There are other manufacturers that have made limited production runs, I, I think. Uh, tell us about that. That's correct, Gary. Uh, Studebaker, as you said, went out of business in 64 in South Bend, so that quick stopped production of the Avanti. But the Studebaker dealer in South Bend, Newman and Altman, bought the rights to the Studebaker name and, and all the molds and everything, and even leased one of the factories from, from the Studebaker Corporation. And they continued making them with a Chevrolet components in them at that point in time, because again, there were no uh, Studebaker engines. And then they quit doing it. And there were four other owners after them that uh, started and stopped production of uh, Studebaker, mainly in South Bend, but some in Youngstown, Ohio, one in Georgia, and one even in Cancun, Mexico. <laughs> Are any of them still being made today? No. 2006 was the last year that they produced them. And they were on either a Mustang uh, frame or a uh, Camaro frame. So the newest car you have is a four-door Avanti. That was post-Studebaker. How did you come by that car? Interesting story on that. I saw it being advertised by a fellow Studebaker fan I know in Florida, and so I talked to him about it, and this car was in a collection of 60 Studebakers of a person that died. That person that died was the inventor of Gatorade at Florida State University, and he loved Studebakers, and so they were whittling down his car collection, and so this was the fifth one produced out of 90 produced in 1990. Wow. So what advice would you give someone who's thinking about starting a collection of vehicles, aside from bringing money? There, there's an old saying in the Avanti world, there's nothing more expensive than a cheap Avanti. <laughs> buy, buy the highest priced one you can afford and go from there. And, and you have to learn yourself how to work on them and, and enjoy it. I have a sign in my shop that says, it's from a construction site, it says, end work zone. When I cease having fun tinkering with these cars. I just walk away from them and wait till I'm ready to go back. Uh huh. And you're quite mechanical, I'm guessing. I am trying to earn more and more. With the uh, advent of the Internet, I can look up some interesting things and get myself in a world of trouble dealing with some of these cars. <laughs> uh, how hard is it to find parts for cars that have been out of production for over 50 years? You know, unfortunately, it's not that difficult because... Studebaker 
overordered on all their parts, and that's what was part of their demise. Uh, I mean, the uh, the marketing department was telling them, okay, we're going to sell, like I said, 280,000 cars, so they bought interiors and engines, and not engines, but the, the components for all that, and then they were sitting on the shelf when they went out of business. So there's a plethora of parts. Okay. Well, that's a fortunate thing for uh, collectors like yourself. Now, any piece of machinery deteriorates with age without some maintenance. How much work is it just to keep the cars stable? My biggest problem is getting them out and driving them. You're right about they deteriorate, and if you don't use them, they, uh, they really deteriorate. So last year, I changed the oil in every vehicle, Studebaker, tractor, air, a motor, motor I had, because 2020, I didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> and then I had the problem of trying to get rid of all that motor oil. But now that I've changed them, I like to drive them into the mailbox or into town or somewhere. Mm-hmm. You're out in Bull Domingo on dirt roads. Uh, how big a challenge is that? That's a very big challenge. I, I would drive them almost every day if it wasn't for the dirt road I had to drive in on. I uh, I took my pickup truck out one day, and I came back, and the back wheels had kind of just chewed up some of the paint behind yeah. them. I don't like it. Yeah, that's got to be frustrating. Now, there must be Studebaker clubs, conferences, confabs. Uh, do you know that community? Oh, yes. I'm a member of the... Studebaker Drivers Club, the Antique Studebaker Club, and the Avanti Owners Association, three different clubs. And they usually meet annually at a central location if they can. And uh, there's about 9,500 members of the Studebaker Drivers Club, and they're meeting this year in Indianapolis. I'm not going this year because next year they're going to South Bend, which to me oh, is perfect. a holy grail. <laughs> and, uh, and so we've been there. Last time they were there was five years ago, and my wife and I went and just had a fabulous time. I'm sure you're preaching to the choir when you're there. Everybody speaks the same language. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> so what do you enjoy most about the car collection? I enjoy uh, the uh, amount of knowledge I'm getting about Studebaker itself. I mean, I'm always learning something new about Studebaker. And then uh, it's just uh, time-consuming to be out there and working on them, piddling them around. When I drove them all, uh, I usually make a checklist of what's not working. There may be a light switch or something that, that's not coming on. And again, it's probably due to corrosion and that. So you got to take it apart, figure out what's wrong, and fix it. keeps me out of the bars. I'm sure there's a lot of large Studebaker collections out there. What generally happens when the owner passes away or gets gets too old? Does it pass to a family member who's interested or get dispersed? It usually goes to a family member and then ultimately gets dispersed, like this 1990 Avanti I, I got. Mm-hmm. They were just whittling it down to a manageable number. What about you? Do you have uh, somebody listed in your will that gets all, all your cars? <laughs> Funny you should say that. I, my son is going to get all the cars and uh, and every all the parts and everything I have in there, and it's huge. You've been out there. And I asked him what he's going to do with them, and he said, I'm going to leave them to my son. I'm not going to mess with them. So that's three generations. So my grandson's got a chore on his hands. <laughs> that's funny. John, we're running short of time, but I can't help talking a little more about the Avanti because it goes way back for me. You were talking about the competitiveness of the engines how how do they stack up today well that's a good question gary there's a a pure stock nationals drag race every year in stanton michigan and the uh, 
Studebakers and, and Studebaker Avantis with the Avanti engine in the, the Studebaker itself are doing quite well. They're, they rank either fifth or sixth out of the top 20 cars as far as the fastest times, 112 miles, miles an hour in a quarter mile run and that. And it's amazing when I get the uh, publication on it that they're beating cars like uh, Camaros and all <laughs> these other cars that I thought were the hot thing back when I was growing up. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. John, this has been a pleasure. Uh, when you think back to the 60s and the 70s, for instance, when I was looking at cars, every model year was a huge event. I own a car now that's uh, brand new, and it looks exactly like the last six years of that model. And there's an advantage to that because the reliability is, is quite strong. But I imagine you, you can relate back to those 60s days. Absolutely. Like you said, when the new cars were coming out, you'd go to the dealer's showroom and look at them. And as a kid, even, I could tell you what year any car was driving down the road. <laughs> and I can't do that. I'm with you. I yeah. can't tell you anything about these new cars. But if, if you saw 63 Bonneville on the road, you'd know what it was. Absolutely. <laughs> John, thanks for uh, visiting with us today. It's been a pleasure. We've been visiting with John Mitchell, who owns a large collection of Studebakers. Look for him around town. My name's Gary. We'll see you next time on Valley Views. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 